So before we dive into the details of how exactly to kill a series, and there are many ways, I first wanted to just reiterate the fact that I'm not a literary hater. Like, I don't try to specifically hate on shows or movies or books that I find, for whatever reason, unappealing or poorly imagined or or poorly produced or whatever the case might be. Uh, And I think that's important to note because with any big series, whether, again, it's a TV show, a movie series, whatever the case may be, you find online there's always going to be people who are just haters, right? Um, And I really don't think of myself as that. But I do think that it does warrant calling out where you see particularly bad production. And in my case, as a writing instructor, particularly bad writing. I find that, um, for me, really what stands out that sinks most series or or TV shows, movies, whatever the case might be, is oftentimes it does come down to the quality of the writing and the consistency of the writing, especially if it is a longer series um, uh, where that becomes problematic for various reasons. And, you know, this topic sort of came back to me. I had originally thought about doing an episode on this earlier last semester um, where we had a great conversation in one of my writing classes about the Game of Thrones series and sort of how that ended. And I'll give some examples of that as we move forward here. But we had a really interesting conversation about that, and uh, I sort of just forgot about it. But when I saw the final Star Wars movie, at least in the Skywalker Saga Episode Nine, I was reminded exactly the effect of inconsistent or, uh, dare I say, just outright terrible writing and how that can really tank a, a movie, uh, and not just a movie, but an entire uh, saga in this case. So again, I just want to reiterate, I'm not a literary hater. I'm not picking on these just, you know, to hop on a bandwagon. And in fact, if you haven't seen these series, um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about them. I am going to give spoilers. However, it's not as if you have to see the series necessarily to understand what I'm talking about, because I'm really focusing more so on the the craft itself and sort of the effects of the inconsistencies in uh, the writing that makes these uh, these series wind up being unwatchable, essentially. Um, and because I think there's good writing lessons there. And that's, as I said earlier with Game of Thrones, sort of how that conversation came up in my, my writing class, talking about really the, the power of good writing and how when that works, I mean, Game of Thrones is a perfect example of that, where earlier on in the series, there was utterly fantastic writing. And that's what made it such a great series, at least, again, early on. Whereas later, uh, not so much. And there were very specific reasons for that, I believe. But again, focusing more so on the fact of the effect of this inconsistency and and these plot holes and all of that. Because I think it's interesting, whether as a writer myself or as an audience member, and, you know, just as somebody who's interested in creative work, really trying to identify, like, well, what are the issues here exactly? So, uh, well, first, I just want to wish everybody a happy uh, new year. This is our first episode of 2020. So I wanted to do something a little bit different and a little bit more fun too, talking about some popular series that uh, you, you may be familiar with as readers. But yeah, so I figure we'll kick off 2020 with a little bit of analysis here. And again, it is based like all of our episodes on conversations that I have had in class, not yet about the rise of Skywalker. I'm sure this will come up next semester. 
um, when we kick it off later in January. Uh, students are definitely going to have opinions on it. They always do. And we inevitably do wind up talking about pop culture quite a bit in, in most of my writing classes to some degree. So I'm sure it's going to come up and I will recommend this episode for them, certainly, if they have uh, opinions. And I think it's good to have opinions. In fact, if you agree or disagree with any of this, uh, I'm very curious to hear what you think, because there's a lot of different perspectives as well in terms of even deciding, well, what are your markers for what is good entertainment, right? Or good storytelling. You know, there's plenty of cases with different types of um, TV shows or movies where just the spectacle alone can be enough for many viewers, right? You know, the the effects and, um, you know, the emotions entailed therein can work for many audiences. Uh, and if that has good enough writing, that might be passable then. And that's sort of how I felt earlier on about the the Star Wars sequels that when Disney started making Star Wars movies, uh, The Force Awakens, I sort of felt that way. Like it wasn't, um, I, I still don't think it's as good as the original Star Wars movies, but that first one, I was entertained by it. Like I had a good time watching it. Whereas the most recent two in that trilogy of Disney Star Wars movies, less and less so. And, and by the most recent one, The Rise of Skywalker, um, I'll tell you in the moment sort of what my feelings are and how those are very much rooted in literary technique or lack thereof. So that's something else I wanted to point out that's different than a lot of the analyses I've seen online so far, where a lot of uh, the points made, I think, are, are very valid in terms of what people have, uh, I guess you could say, beef with with this last Star Wars movie or most recent Star Wars movie. Um, but, you know, from from my perspective as a writer, I have some other specific points that I think are worth mentioning. But anyways, I, I wanted to start then by going back to Game of Thrones and just as, as kind of a precursor to what I noticed as well with the terrible writing of The Rise of Skywalker. And I think Game of Thrones is... You know, I, it's sort of ironic. So if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, and this is where I'm going to start spoilering things. So if you do plan on watching it, you might want to stop listening. But um, again, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say too much, essentially. Well, I'll probably say some very important things now that I think about it. But anyways, um, I, like I wouldn't even recommend for some people even starting the Game of Thrones series at this point because it ends that poorly. Um, that's how much of a train wreck it turned into, which is quite honestly is disappointing because I'm a huge fan of those books. Um, I've read all the books so far that George R. R. Martin has released. So I wanted the series to do really well and I really enjoyed the series early on. However, if you're honest with the level of writing and the quality of writing, it tanks, uh, quite significantly by the last couple seasons of the show, by the final seventh and eighth season of, of that show. And so I described it to my class as the literary equivalent of the Hindenburg, where it seems like this big, cool thing, you know, it's doing stuff that has never been done before, which Game of Thrones, you can argue that's what made it great. You know, it was killing off characters who you would never see killed off in any other uh, traditional fantasy series where the hero always wins. It's like, no, sometimes the hero loses and even dies, even if they do everything right. And that's why they lose, is because they're good people, and good people don't always win. And in fact, sometimes in th these terrible worlds and these terrible situations, they, they die for that, for those reasons. So it was a really interesting 
turn, uh, flip, flip a, uh, on the head of some of these traditional fantasy tropes and storytelling tropes. And it did it so well, it's so unexpectedly, but it all made sense. You know, these are all, like I said, real life. We can draw real life connections to, to you know, the events in Game of Thrones in terms of things not working out for seemingly no good reasons, right? You know, the old phrase, everything happens for a reason. I absolutely believe in that philosophy with the caveat that, well, yes, everything happens for a reason, just not always a reason you like or agree with, right? There's always cause and effect that can explain why things happen, but it's not always for reasons that we're happy with, right? I think that's what Game of Thrones really captured and, and, and did really well. Um, however, as the series progressed and got past the book material on which it was based, again, this is a, a, a I'm breezing through my analysis because I want to focus more so on the uh, Rise of Skywalker, the last the most recent Star Wars uh, movie. But uh, Game of Thrones, by season seven, when by season seven when they ran out of book material, and certainly by season eight, there's a reason why those last two seasons of the show, the first six seasons were ten episodes each. Each the last two seasons were six episodes each. Twelve. Oh no, the I'm sorry, season seven I think was seven episodes, and I think season eight was six episodes. But again seven or so yeah seven missing episodes in there right um that's a lot of content and character development and plot building that is just not in those final two seasons and it shows in the wrap-up of that series of game of thrones where things just fall apart in terms of completing character arcs or character you know progression and and sort of their journeys and having that all make sense and being consistent and so I, I, you know, again, I, I've talked about this with some of my writing classes where um, if you really analyze those specific instances where you see that, it's kind of hard to argue uh, against that, you know, unless you look at it through the lens of just spectacle and special effects and, you know, still that the endpoints might be there, right? Like certain characters die who were going to die, whether or not the final couple seasons were five episodes or 15 episodes, right? You know, the, the same endpoint might be there. Well, you have to build to those endpoints, right? You have to take the time to develop getting there. And it was just rushed through. It was inconsistent. And it became, as I said, the Hindenburg burst into flames. And we, you know, kind of think of it more as a tragedy now, I feel like, or at least many of the fans I've spoken to. And that was sort of the agreement we came upon in class. Uh, and, and I, I think, again, there's various reasons why they rushed through that, but you saw the effects of that rushed writing. Um, and I think that's, that's a shame. That's something that, uh, really ruined what was, you know, ironically, again, the, the series ended up doing all of the things that it was doing the opposite of early on. Like I was saying earlier about how it would kill off these characters and, you know, terrible things would happen to these people and good things would happen to bad people. And sometimes good things would happen to good people. But, uh, you know, it was, it was so complicated, much like life is. Whereas the final couple seasons, when they ran out of the original source book material, all of a sudden it feels like a fantasy story where you're waiting for the next fight scene, as opposed to the, the, the character struggle and development, because it just wasn't there, the story. So I, I think, you know, that was kind of my biggest disappointment of, you know, fantasy storytelling last year. Um, except when did I see Rise of Skywalker? I think I saw it before New Year's. Yeah. 
Uh, so I guess to wrap up 2019, get it out of the way before 2020, I decided to go see The Rise of Skywalker, which again is the final Star Wars movie in the Skywalker saga, which is the nine movies of, or the nine main movies of Star Wars. Um, so, I, I mean, again, if you're a Star Wars fan, you, you already know all of this, but just to briefly summarize, obviously Disney bought the Star Wars franchise several years ago. I think like five, six years ago now, however long, from George Lucas, who's the original creator. Um, you know, really pretty much, I think if you ask Star Wars fans or people who have seen all these movies, they'll say that the original three movies, the original trilogy that George Lucas made in the 70s and 80s, which were, of course were episodes four, five, and six, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, fantastic movies. Some people have varying opinions on how good, um, you know, they are or how you would order them. But in general, most people really love those movies, um, not just because they are original and they are original in very ways, even though they have very traditional fantasy element elements to them. Um, I forget who pointed it out to me, but somebody mentioned once that if you look at the first very first Star Wars movie that George Lucas made, A, a New Hope, it's very much a, a traditional fantasy story where you have Luke Skywalker, who's the farm boy, uh, who's, you know, turns out that, uh, you know, his aunt and uncle, he doesn't know who his father is. He's, you know, kind of an orphan in that sense. And the evil empire, you know, comes and kills his family. And, uh, you know, there's a wizard who is the Jedi, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course. Um, so there's a lot of like, traditional there's a princess i mean it's han solo is a pirate essentially right there's a lot of very traditional fantasy elements set in uh space which again is is why i consider star wars to be fantasy uh, rather than sci-fi but that's a totally different subject that is for another episode the the nuanced difference between fantasy and science fiction of which there is an important distinction um but for for these reasons where you know, you have uh, sort of a lot of these very similar, I, I guess I would say, conventions. Um, I, I consider it like space fantasy, essentially, even though obviously they're flying around in spaceships and all that. But anyways, the original trilogy, fantastic, I think. Now the prequels the, or the prequel series, which came out, of course, many years later in the late 90s, early 2000s, were the three episodes before, episodes four, five, and six. So George Lucas, I guess, apparently, I haven't researched this as exhaustively as I'm sure many other Star Wars fans have, but my understanding is that he always had ideas for a prequel trilogy, and he eventually made them, and the general consensus with those was that they were pretty awful. Um, I think of the three, it's pretty clear to most viewers that the episode, the third one, episode three, Revenge of the Sith, is by far the best one of those prequel movies. And after these latest three movies by Disney that take place, uh, you know, at the end, episodes seven, eight, and nine, I think, um, you know, some of those earlier movies all of a sudden look a lot better than they did initially. Um, so anyways, that's sort of the progression of the franchise, right? And then as Disney takes over, you have, of course, the newest three movies, the the Disney trilogy of episodes seven, eight, and nine, which are, of course, The Force Awakens, episode seven, The Last Jedi, episode eight, and 
the rise of skywalker episode nine right so uh these movies obviously there's a lot of split opinions on them i think as i said earlier episode seven was entertaining enough even though you know it's doing new different things whatever it's disney's franchise now i kind of enjoyed it i was kind of excited to see where they would go with the series from there i had issues with some of the world building and how it felt like just a reboot of star wars a new hope episode four however whatever you know if they want to go in the, the direction they're going to go in whatever great fine um episode eight a little bit weird i think it's better as a movie on its own as opposed to a progression of that trilogy um it sort of gets very confusing very quickly because you have different directors throughout the trilogy different directions and then contradictions arise by the final movie so i thought last jedi um was was pretty good movie on its own um but certainly by episode nine this is where everything just uh, it falls apart it's almost painful again i'm not going to get into too many specifics in terms of the plot itself but i am going to spoiler a little bit moving forward and i would be hard pressed to have if if anybody can argue this against me i would really like to know because I've talked to a lot of people so far who are fans of the Star Wars series and the universe, and I've yet to have anybody who can give me a valid argument against this claim um, that I'm about to make. And in fact, I, you know, I, I the only one I could foresee making is that, well, if you look at the Star Wars expanded universes and the spinoffs and, you know, whatever, right, other content, uh, within the Star Wars universe, like this could make sense or something, but that's not what most people watch or see. Uh, most people just see the main movies, right? So within the context of these main movies, I cannot think of another movie that I felt was ruined within the first 15 seconds. I think this is almost an accomplishment or an achievement in this sense. And what I'm referring to, of course, is the opening crawl where it says star wars across the screen and it has the little you know couple paragraphs of prologue backstory description setting up what the movie is going to be about um as soon as i i had heard in the trailer you hear emperor palpatine who of course is the big baddest guy from uh episode six return of the jedi uh you hear his voice in the trailer for the rise of skywalker i didn't really think much of it I mean, I kind of thought like, oh, this is, you know, you hear voices and, you know, you see Jedi ghosts from the past throughout the series. So I figured it was something along those lines uh, in terms of why his voice was being included in the trailer and how he might be included in this final ninth movie in the whole Skywalker saga. Um, <laughs> but lo and behold, in the opening crawl, it mentions how essentially he's back. He didn't die in Return of the Jedi. He's back. In fact, he's been hiding all along. He's been, I guess, building a fleet and an army all along to reconquer the galaxy. Uh, and to be quite honest, I was, I was, it was a battle between whether I was more confused or stunned by that. Because not only does that undo, in again, this is just my analysis as a movie watcher, but what I remember from Episode Six when Return of the Jedi when he was so I thought defeated, killed by Darth Vader and balance was restored to the force. Um, it doesn't make sense for 
<laughs> many, many other reasons. Um, you know, the least of which is like, well, yeah, you thought you saw him die, but also what has he been doing this whole time? I, I, I guess I should go back and rewatch episodes seven and eight, but I don't remember there being really any, or at least apparently not clearly enough, any sort of foreshadowing that he was coming back. Um, it's just kind of like, well, we need an ultimate bad guy and uh, bring him back. And you see later on, in, well, you see actually very early on in the movie. And then again, at the end of the movie, he's like a zombie hooked up to this robot apparatus thing so he's apparently survived uh it just it feels so cheap and there's so many other scenes throughout this movie that almost directly mirror return of the jedi uh there's a scene towards the very end where he um is lightning fighting the rebel fleet or whatever and he says like oh your friends are dying and it's exactly what he says to luke in return of the jedi it just it feels so lazy in that sense. And again, so this is like a weird, it like weirdly rehashes a lot of what happens from Return of the Jedi. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, scenes like that. There's a scene where Rey, the main character, the protagonist, she has a very brief lightsaber battle with herself as a, like an evil version of herself in the ruins of the Death Star. And I, that weirdly mirrors when Luke fights Darth Vader uh, in a, in a like a cave um, in the original series, and he you know defeats the 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 Ghost Vader. It's like part of his training, right? And he defeats the Ghost Vader, and the mask reveals you know when he hits the mask, it reveals him. So it it. You know, that makes sense in that context, but here it just feels like, oh, well, they did that in the original series. We have to do it for her in this series. And then she fights herself for like a minute. It's like 30 seconds or something. And then they just move past it. Like they don't, there's no <laughs> reflection about it. Again, maybe I miss this. I don't know. Um, so that's one big problem with it. There's so many moments like that. Again, I don't want to go through all of them. I'll link some other reviews in in the description so you can see a full breakdown. Uh, I've watched a few and they're pretty hilarious. They go through like 30, 40 issues like this um, with some of these problems in this final movie. But that was those are a couple that really stand out to me. Um, the other one I have to mention, uh, again, it, you know, it feels cheap in the sense that they're just kind of doing the next craziest thing because the previous movie, well, we had a ship that was powerful. Now we need another ship that's more powerful, right? You sort of saw this in episode seven um, with the uh, Starkiller base where they turned a planet essentially into a Death Star, which could be kind of cool. Like, I kind of liked the idea of it. I thought the execution of it, again, was like so much of the series was rushed. Um, but uh, you know, cool. Like that could be, you know, it looks cool, whatever. It's bigger than a death star. I kind of get it, even though the physics of it make no sense. But again, this is, you know, it's, it sucks the sun, the, the power of its host star to shoot at planets because that's how planets work. They can hold stars, whatever. It's a fantasy story. Um, but by <laughs> rise of Skywalker, so Palpatine just has a fleet, right, of like, I don't know, a thousand Star Destroyers, 
why he needs to like get Ray and Kylo and try to use their power or have him. He explains like she needs to kill him so he can become her because he is all the Sith throughout history. He has a thousand starter stories that we find out each one has the power somehow to Death Star an entire planet because they show us this. One of the star his star destroyers just blow up an entire planet. So he has like thousands of these. Uh, at least that's what it looks like to me. Because guess what? This is a step up. This is the next craziest thing you can do. It's why why have star destroyers that can do this? Just have I'm sorry. Why have Death Stars that can do this? And Death Stars are like I don't know a hundred miles. Across. They're huge. They're small moons, right? Just have star destroyers that can do it. Well, why do you need to do anything? Just send the star, send the star destroyers out. Like, ha- have them use their laser cannons to destroy the rebel fleet. Like, just sweep across the sky. Like, it just you start to break down. Like, okay, if this is the power that you're we're dealing with here, that power can be then be used in all these ways. And if that's there's reasons why they can't be used in those ways, you need to explain those rather than just rush through those points. So that's a huge issue, right? And that's sort of what I was talking about where I said, literally, if you break down that, okay, you're going to introduce this huge new power, well, you need to use that consistently and fully throughout and have people deal with that and combat that uh, accordingly. Again, you see this throughout this movie with force powers as well. All of a sudden, Ray and I guess others can use the force to heal, which I, I'm I mean, I have to go back and rewatch them all, but I don't remember that being a thing specifically. Um, And certainly not to the degree that they do it in this movie all of a sudden. And so many other force powers, I mean, they take time, they take training to develop. And this is just something she is all of a sudden able to do because it advances the plot. And that's obviously for many, many audiences, very obviously a cheap trick right you see that and you say well wait a minute like this has no there's no real like believing behind that right it just seems like well we need to get to the next scene we need to get to the next disney ride the next lego set that we're going to sell and i think that's sort of the crux of how i felt watching this movie and it's actually filmed really fast too where you jump or it's edited really fast where it's almost dizzying how fast you jump between these scenes from one section to the next one planet to the next one scene to the next there's new characters old characters it's just a uh um i don't know i i would call it a shit show um and it feels like they're trying to again is, this is going to be a ride or this is going to be on the ride this is going to be a lego set this is going to be an action figure we'll sell more mickey will make billions uh, everybody's happy even though the art suffers whatever you'll watch it it's well produced. Disney will not make a not well, you know, affected movie in terms of the special effects and all that. And yeah, there's cool special effects, but um, they really like who cares about that, right? With without the story, and that's again how I felt sitting through this, where you know the the, the deaths in this movie, I felt nothing emotionally, and I think one of the best comparisons I can make, because again, I don't like to just do an analysis episode like this where I just shit on something for 20 minutes. Um, but I, there's not much redeeming here for me as, as an audience member and as somebody trying to analyze it. Um, but one example that I give to contrast this 
is if you look at a movie from, I think this was last year as well, earlier, uh, Avengers Endgame, which I thought was terrific. I thought it was really well written considering how many characters you had and had to resolve their stories and conflicts um, in a three-hour movie. And what I think is interesting, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame or the Avengers Saga, uh, which is even longer, it's like, geez, I don't know, 18 movies at least, um, that's a great example where obviously they had more movies to build all of this, um, but even Endgame is such a good example, and Endgame is really the second part of the final um, piece there, the the final two movies there, Infinity War and Endgame. But you care about the characters because they take time, even in Endgame. Part of the reason why it's so long is because there are long scenes where characters are talking for quite some time. And so it means something there. Um, you don't get that as much in something like Rise of Skywalker. And so very, very, very big spoiler alert. But uh, again, I go back to Game of Thrones when Daenerys dies and Rise of Skywalker when Kylo Ren dies. I feel nothing. I just want to get on with the next thing because that's what you've set me up for as a storyteller. Get on to the next thing. Get on to the next special effect. Get on to the next you know, point. And it's meaningless. Whereas in Avengers Endgame, when um, Tony Stark dies, they've set this up. You kind of know it's coming. You kind of suspect it's coming. Um, but when it does, because that character still has to make a choice to embrace it, which he does for a, as a sacrifice it means a whole lot more and i felt very very sad when that all happened even though i sort of knew it was coming because they took the time to set up that expectation so i think contrasting deaths like that in those cases you can really see how that's built up to in order to be effective uh, versus being ineffective in different ways um and it's interesting i think rise of skywalker is particularly noteworthy because when kylo ren dies that should in theory work where he gives essentially gives up his life to bring ray back or save ray or whatever that should actually work um but again it's not developed for the various you know reasons in in rushing through um that we see throughout that movie so uh rise of skywalker and endgame both very long movies that to me felt really quick but for avengers endgame good reasons and for rise of skywalker not so great reasons. Um, and I think, you know, these are interesting lessons to analyze because I think if you're a writer, they're certainly helpful and useful. Uh, whereas if you're an audience member, it kind of can make sense of, well, what went wrong here and sort of what you expect and want moving forward. Because like I said, while you don't want to necessarily shit on a series or a story or, you know, work that people do, people put a lot of time and effort into this and really want it to, you know, be good um you know being honest about it and having a reaction where people aren't satisfied with it it makes producers um have to do a better job right to to put out more consistent content and and by that virtue better content i think so i think these are lessons for that reason for all of us whether we are writers audience members uh, the people actually making this stuff whatever the case case may be so yeah, so just some thoughts on those movies. Again, I you know I thought about going through my list, and I do have a list of all the plot holes um, with this 
Star Wars series and certainly the the last one Rise of Skywalker but that's a you know that would be hours long episode and that's not really what we do here nor really what I want to do here um like I said there's plenty of other analyses out there I'll maybe link some in the description like I said earlier so you can see but I would again love to hear other people's opinion um I've gotten some good feedback on some other topics and some other episodes we've done so far so if any of the points I've mentioned you have uh, answers to or you have alternate viewpoints to yeah definitely let me know you can tweet at me that's uh my twitter handle is at joe t labs or you can comment anywhere you listen to this podcast whether on youtube or our main site at professorlabs.podbean.com um let us know know what you think because i already spoken to some friends who say oh this movie is great i love this movie and i'm kind of you know, again, shocked by, by that to some degree, but everybody I've started to talk to so far and break down these points um, or these inconsistencies and plot holes piece by piece, they all of a sudden turn and they say, yeah, that didn't really make sense. And then they say, but this was, you know, cool or interesting. I say, well, what about how, yeah, they use that power there, but why didn't they use it then later on? Oh, well, and then you hear the crickets chirp because it doesn't make sense. It's again, lazy writing right it's like if all of a sudden you have the power to you know fly which apparently ray does in this movie she's floating around when you first see her doesn't come up again really and people say well she wasn't really flying blah blah blah. no you did it because it looked cool that's why the producers did it it looked cool and they don't use that power again because it's they have other powers they can just make her use all of a sudden so it's that type of Again, inconsistency that really sort of grinds on me as, as a writer and, and somebody who likes good good stories uh, and good storytelling. So many inconsistencies, but yeah, I would be interested to know what what you think um, about about this movie because, like I said, I, I know plenty of people who still they they defend it. They say they love it and they love this this whole trilogy. So, um, yeah, just a few points. Again, I'm interested to talk about this uh, more with uh, anybody who has opinions. So yeah, let us know what you think. And if you have ideas or topics for other episodes, um, we're going to have some more happy episodes hopefully coming up. I have some some good ideas backlogged based on, on papers that came up last semester. So a lot of really interesting content coming up this new year. Uh, so again, thanks so much for, for joining us in this new year. And I hope you guys have had a happy new year. Um, and I hope you continue to have a great new year as well. So until then, keep thinking and we will... See you as always next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye.